Welcome to the New Hope Roanoke podcast that follows our live weekend teachings. We are a church bringing hope to the Roanoke Valley. So please take a moment to subscribe or follow this podcast at the end of the message. And for more information, go to newhoperoanoke.com.
Good morning. I feel like I need to talk to this side of the room. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to New Hope. My name is Connor. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Welcome to everyone who's joining us online. Even if you're in person or online, uh, you can go to newhoperoanoke.com slash connect. That's a virtual touch-free connect card for us to get to know who you are and even to pray for you. If you're online, all you have to simply do is look for the connect link in the chat, and it's the same format. Well, uh, we have a lot of fun things going on today. It's an awesome time to gather. You're probably uh, noticing I'm wearing my official Kobe Bryant hashtag girl dad shirt. And that is because uh, on June 17th at 2.38 in the morning, uh, my wife and I had our baby girl. Her name is Presley Jane Wood. And I think we have a, a picture for you to see here. There she is. There's me, there's my wife, and our baby. Yes, she was eight and a half pounds and 20 and a half inches long. She was a week over, so she probably gained a pound um, in that extra week. She was, she was uh, it was a lot. But uh, she's doing great, baby's healthy, uh, Michaela is doing well. And really what we want to say is thank you. We had a lot of people text us, we had a lot of people reach out to us on so- social media, and we just want to say thank you for the prayers and uh, the words. Um, it means a lot. means more than you know. Uh, we don't have family that lives in Roanoke, and so New Hope is, has been our family in that way. So we appreciate it uh, so much. Now, kind of like I said, uh, we have a lot of things going on today. We're in a series called Down to Earth. And we're talking about the parable of the talents, and it's going to be uh, a great uh, message from our lead pastor, Seth Bryant, and we're excited to jump into that. So let's pray and get this morning going. God, we, we love you so much. Uh, we, we thank you for the opportunity to gather, to be together, uh, to see people face to face, not just through a screen. It's, it's a blessing. Uh, God, you have so much in store for us, not only today, but what's to come in this season. And we pray that you are here with us, and we're grateful that you are. God, would you fill this place? Would you encourage us? Would you inspire us? Would you motivate us? Would you help us appreciate community and being united and loving you? We pray this in your name this morning. Amen. You guys stand for this. With all this stuff going on, I really need to worship in my life. So I really look forward to meeting with you guys and we'll sing with us. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, you won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh my I'm 
a song to you guys, or we thought he was just now introducing it to you guys, but y'all sang it a lot louder than we did, um, 
So obviously you guys know it. If you guys will sing it with us, I'd love to hear you sing as loud as you did that one.
these words are important. It's in your mouth if you believe it. We dedicate time to commune, to be with Jesus, um, not just individually, but maybe communally in your, in your rows. And so on each of our chairs, um, in person, we have these cups, disposable cups. The top layer is a wafer, and then if you rip open the second layer, that will be the juice. If you're online with us, uh, feel free to gather uh, uh, grape juice, bread, and you can begin prepping at home to, to partake together. Here's why we do this. God loved us so much that he gave his son to sacrifice for our sin, for our, for our mess-ups, for our brokenness. And that's love. And so all we do is we simply meditate. We think. We, we sit in that. It's just a moment. And so maybe in your heart, in your, in your head, there's some alignment. There's some healing. There's forgiveness. There's grace. Something needs to take place that we can leave this place without guilt, without fear. No more of that. That's why Jesus went to the cross for us. So let's take a moment and I'll pray for us and commune with the Father. God, we love you. You are so good. Thank you for the opportunity to be together, the opportunity to be with you one-on-one. 
in this moment. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. Thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you for your fierce love. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for being someone when there was no way you made one so that we could have a relationship with you, have a relationship with your son, have a relationship with the spirit. In this moment, would we appreciate that? Would we come in alignment with that? We pray this in your son's name this morning. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to those in the room. Welcome to everybody online. Uh, let me say this, that if you want to give today, we can give online, uh, text to give. There's an offering box in the back because we're not passing anything in the service. Uh, so that's the way to uh, contribute. And then uh, I also want to make a quick footnote about last Sunday. I think that we had a few technological problems, and that was of no fault of any one of us here. I, in fact, I wish that I could blame it on the Saharan dust, but that was, that's this week, not last week. So uh, it was just, it was Cox or something. But every week we're working on uh, the, the technology, and it sounds like everything's running smoothly this week. So, but any apologies that we need to extend for, for last week being squirrely, uh, we are so sorry about that. Well, today we are going to begin by thinking about investments, all right? So bring to mind something uh, that you have invested in. What have you invested in? Now, when we think about this, usually our mind immediately goes to money. And uh, we may have invested in the stock market. We may have invested in a house. 
And so we're hoping to uh, build equity in this home. It's, it's something that we hope to get something back in return for. Uh, in the stock market, the same is true. But we don't only have investments in money. Uh, we have other kinds of investments as well. Think about our investment with people in relationships, right? Uh, maybe you invest in your kids or your grandkids. That's important. You, you are supposed to make an investment in that relationship. Uh, you make an investment in your relationship with your spouse or significant other. At least you should be making an investment. there. It's an ongoing investment a kind of a relationship. Uh, we also invest in other things like hobbies. Uh, so if you pursue a particular interest, you, you're, you're going to put your time, you're going to put your money, you're going to put your effort into that hobby uh, so that you can enjoy it, so that you can get better at it. That's a kind of investment that people make. Uh, just this week, one of our neighbors, uh, he invited us down to his pond. He has made an investment uh, in his property. So there was this little piece of land at the end of our street that was for sale. He buys it. He builds a man-made pond or hires someone to do that. No small expense. And he stocks it with rainbow trout. And uh, one night this past week, he was going to feed the fish, and he invited me and my two kids. We were out riding bikes. He said, hey, you guys want to come down and uh, see the pond, see me feed the fish? Yeah. And then, sure, you want to fish? Yeah, yeah. So we socially distance, of course. And he's got kids our age, kids' age, and we were showing our kids how to fish. It was totally unfair, right? The true fishermen in the room, every time you cast, boom, you catch something, all right? It's, 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 it's great for kids. And, uh, man, we had so much fun doing that. But he said to me, I have poured my blood, sweat, and tears into this. And he expected to get something out of it, right? Enjoyment with his family, enjoyment with the neighbors, uh, and to, to be able to make this into the kind of place that he had envisioned all along. What about you? What about me? What are the investments that we make? And what is it that we want to get out of those investments? We have been in a sermon series called Down to Earth, and we're studying the parables of Jesus. The, the, the title of the series, Down to Earth, it shows that Jesus came down to earth, and that when he came to us, he taught us in stories and in parables so that he could help us to understand things that were difficult to understand. He teaches about God and, and his kingdom and how we can respond to that in this life. And today we're going to look at a parable where Jesus turns the idea of investment on its head. What he does here is he takes this idea and he actually applies it to God. He says that from God's perspective, God has invested in you and in me. God has made an investment. And God, he wants, he desires a return on that investment. It's pretty extraordinary actually when you think about it. That the creator of the universe, the sustainer of all of life, the divine being, he entrusts us with these things, these gifts and talents that we're going to talk about. And then he invites us to partner with him in the ongoing work of the world. Absolutely extraordinary. Here's how Jesus begins the story. It's in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. If you have your Bible, you can turn there or it'll be on the screen. Jesus says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once 
and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag, he went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. Let's stop the story right there and just make a couple of observations. The first one is this, that we have a talent. Everyone in the story is given a talent. God is like the master and we are like the servants. We are the children of God, and God has entrusted us with certain things. So we have a talent. You may not even know today that you have a talent, but you have been given a talent from God. I can't help but remember the last time I preached on this text, all right? Can I just, I'm going to digress for a moment. It was in 2009, in June, I was at another church as an associate pastor, and I was given this uh, sermon to preach. So... I walk out at the beginning, and to illustrate the talents, I brought these little blue racquetballs, and I, I called people up from the audience, who can juggle, right? So I was trying to you know, have a hook, something memorable, who can juggle? Okay, can you do three? Oh, can you do five? Are you a one-talent juggler or a five-talent juggler? And uh, anyway, th- th- this, this one service in particular, uh, I was waiting backstage to walk out, and right before the the production manager backstage says, all right, you're on. Someone on the security team tugs on my shirt, and he, he whispers in my ear, and he says, Seth, when you walk out, there will be a clown seated in the middle right. I'm like, what, where is this going? Like, you know, this is like third or fourth service at the church, and he says, do not pick him to come up and juggle. We have told him that if he approaches the stage, we will take him out. <laughs> you know, and then they're like, okay, you're on. And I'm like, what do you mean take him out? Like, you know, I'm walking out on stage. Uh, don't make eye contact with the clown. I see his, like, you know, rainbow-colored wig. He's got a red nose. He's got the, the whole deal, the outfit. And I'm like, okay, so, oh, hey, uh, anyone here juggling? People are, like, pointing, you know, to this guy. Half of me wanted to be like, I'm just going to pick him and see what take him out. No, I would never. So I'm, I'm looking over here. I'm like, I'm picking someone from this area. Everyone thought it, he was staged. Like, they thought I set it up that I was going to bring this client. Anyway, long story short, after the service, we talked to the guy more, and he just, he had a gig. He had a lunchtime gig. It was a children's birthday party. It takes him two hours to put on his makeup, and we're like, bro, you weirded us all out, right? Security is all surrounding him. Like, don't do that again, all right? Now, now. All, all of that to simply say, we have been given a talent. And even in the church, there are talents and there are roles, right? There was a production manager backstage. There was a security guy. Um, we have people that serve in kids' ministry in the parking lot, people that make coffee, people that greet you, people that hold signs and uh, say welcome. We have people that clean in between the services and, and get things set. We have people on technology, people that are singing on stage, people up I mean, you, when you think about it, you would not believe the amount of talents that exist in this room and that it takes in order to pull off a service each and every week. We have talents, and you do as well. In the first century context, this word talent, it was, it was a measurement of weight. Uh, so it's a little bit difficult for us to say precisely exactly what a talent was worth, but people still jump in and try to figure it out, right? So you're thinking, what was the measurement? What was the thing that we're measuring? Is it gold or is it silver? You know, different 
weights there. And then what's the inflation rate, you know, from first century Palestine to today? So as people crunch all of the numbers, they come up with a range. One talent was worth somewhere between $282,522, just to be a little precise, <laughs> uh, and around $700,000, one talent. So this master, he's got eight of them. One guy gets five, one guy gets two, one guy gets one. If you do the math, uh, we're looking at a lot of money, <laughs> okay? Uh, this, is, this is somewhere between $2 million and $5.6 million. Anybody want to be entrusted with a little bit of this talent, right? Yeah, I'll take care of that money. So they are given this responsibility to take care of the money. And for our application today, I think it's really important that we broaden the definition of talent. Yes, God does give you money. Some of you, he gives you the ability to make money, and that is a talent. But it's also anything that you have in your possession that's a gift from God. Your time is a talent. Your relationships are a talent. All of the opportunities that you have in your life, they are a talent. You have your finances, you have your mind, you have your will, you have your opportunities. Everything that we have, skills, degrees, experience, home, uh, ability to make decisions, all of these things include your talent given by God as a gift for us. And here's what we see right out of the gate when we realize that these things are gifts from God. We realize that we need to identify what is our gift, what has God given us, so that I can name it. And the reason that we need to do this is so that we can also thank God for what it is that he's given. Because our temptation when we read this parable is to go, wait a minute, why did one guy get five? And only, uh, I'm the two guy. I want, I want to be the five guy. We start comparing. And it's like, that's not the point of the parable. Each is, is done according to his ability. And so we have been given what we've been given. You do you. And let other people be who they are, and let's not try to use someone else's gifts or envy or compare to someone else's gift. Uh, I did this years ago, all right? We, we all make this mistake. Years ago, I was like, I want to be a worship leader. I want to, like, I'm going to learn how to play guitar. I'm going to sing. The problem was I couldn't sing. And uh, I took lessons. Like, I invested in this talent and I didn't have it. <laughs> and so at some point, if you're pursuing a talent, you just got to like abandon that track and be like, okay, here I am today because I can't, I can't do that, so I'm going to do this. And uh, we've all been given a different gift. Now, I give our worship leader guys a little bit of a hard time about it because I'm still a little bit, you know, squirrely about this. So here, here, here's, the, here's the line that I give them. I'm like, you know, if I had been a worship leader, it had been much easier because you don't write a new song every week. Like, this gig, I, I got to write a new sermon every single week. Eh, no, we're so grateful, and uh, we're thankful for them and all that they do. Incredible uh, group of talent here. So what is your gift? This is, this is where we begin. What is your talent, and what is mine? And how can we identify it, and how can we begin to thank God for it? Because the next thing that we realize in this parable is that God wants us to put that gift to use. He wants us to take it and put it into action. And we see that as we continue in the parable. Matthew chapter 25, verse 19. 
After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You see, what we learn in this section is that when the master comes back, he's going to call into account how we've used those gifts and talents that we've been given. And so the application that I draw for us today is this, you're given a talent, but we also are stewards of that talent. We don't use the word steward much uh, in our day and time, but a steward simply defined is a manager, all right? You are a manager. Congratulations on your promotion. You are now a manager. God has given you a talent, and it's you and I, it's our responsibility to steward, to manage that talent that God has given us. So how are we doing at managing that talent? You know, these these talents that we're given, they're gifts. They don't belong to you. They don't belong to me. And we are responsible for stewarding them well. And to steward them well means that we invest in them, that we grow them. And, And by the way, they were never given for us, to us, just for ourselves. They're always given to us to help benefit other people, to serve, to love, to grow in humility and compassion, to to make the kingdom of God advance on earth as it is in heaven. And one of the things that happens to us is that when we realize we're a steward, we immediately begin to go to like the biggest things and items, right? So oh, I'm a steward of my life, and I'm supposed to do this big, grand thing for God, and uh, I'm going to build an, a- an orphanage in Africa, right? And so we go to, like, the biggest thing. And you may be called to build an orphanage in Africa. That's great. But let's not forget and neglect all of the smaller things that every single day God entrusts us with, and he asks us to steward those moments, those interactions, those gifts. I was blown away recently. I listened to an interview by Bob Goff. He's a Christian author, wrote a book called Love Does, has a new book out, Dream Big. And uh, this guy, he's a successful lawyer. He's done unbelievable things in the world. And he said this, he said, don't neglect the small things that God calls you to do. And he says, you hear about all these big things that I do, but Many times people don't see all of the ways that I'm given small opportunities. We have to take advantage of those small opportunities as well as the big ones. And he gave this example. Uh, He and his wife, Maria, they had a neighbor. She was an elderly woman. She lived by herself. And as they developed a relationship with her and developed trust with one another, and they realized that she was lonely, she shared with them, they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're actually going to go buy a baby monitor, right? 
and we're going to put one in our house, and we're going to put one in her house. And when she wants, uh, nothing creepy, she's going to be able to turn the monitor on, and, and we'll listen in. Like, we'll know that she's there, and she'll know that we're there. And it w- it's just one simple way for us to have connection, you know, especially in all of the social distance stuff that we're, we're in right now. And so she knew at any point she could just turn on that baby monitor, and her neighbors would be right there. It's a, it's a talent. It, he, he's stewarding this one opportunity that he has to make a difference with the person that lives right next door to him. And we have the same responsibility. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says it like this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Your gift ain't for you, right? To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We have been given a talent and we are stewards of that to make a difference in the world. And here's the deal. We've got one life. This is my one shot to invest, to grow, to practice, to give everything that I have to make a difference. And so you and I, if we're good at something, you know why we're good? Because we put our blood, sweat, and tears into getting good at that thing. You may have some natural inclination toward your talent, toward your gift. But for those of you that get really good at it, it's because you work at it. You, like me, we, I've been to conferences, I've read books, I've listened to podcasts, I've hired coaches because I want to make an impact, I want to make a difference in this life. And that's the talent and the stewardship that Jesus is talking about. Will you invest what God has given you? So how does the parable end, right? And maybe more importantly, we can ask this question. How will your story and mine end. Here's how the last servant panned out. Matthew chapter 24 verse or 25 verse 24. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Notice the assumptions that he makes incorrectly about the master. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. I just want to point out, he, the master does not acknowledge that he is a hard master. He doesn't embrace the identity that was put on him by the servant. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. Four, here's the principle. Four, whoever has will be given more and will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's like, wow, it's heavy. The context of Matthew 25 is Jesus is talking about at the end of time, while you are waiting, you need to be prepared because there is a coming judgment, right? This is, this is Matthew 25, the Olivet Discourse, the fifth discourse in the Gospel of Matthew. And in particular, this starts back in like 23. Jesus is calling out the religious leaders. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. 
And then we see as, the, as it continues, you know, the, there's going to be a destruction of the temple in 24. And then he tells these parables about we as his children, what we're supposed to do while we wait on the second coming of Christ. And as we're thinking all of these thoughts, what, what we see in particular with this parable is this guy who has buried his talent. And T. Wright says that this guy, it's, it's the religious leaders. It's the nation of God. They were supposed to represent God to the world. They were supposed to be blessed, to bless everybody else. And they didn't do their job. They buried it. And so now God, he, he's going to divvy up his talents. And he's going to judge those that haven't done what they were supposed to do. So here's, here's the last principle for us, the last application, is that we have a choice. You and I, we have a choice. And our choice is this simple. It's either invest your talent or bury it and if you don't make a choice you've made the choice to bury it and not grow it and so we all make a choice and we have we have to make the right decision because our future is dependent on the decision that we make today in all of those small ways when we make the right decision we are faithful with a little and God will give us much and we see how important this principle is that whoever has, he'll be given more because of his faithfulness, not because of his success. It wasn't held over the two first servants that they each had to produce five talents. No, the one produced five, the other produced two. They produced what was reasonable and what was responsible with what they had been given. The, the issue is not success, the issue is faithfulness. And God, he's asking us to realize what we have been given and to use it, to invest it, to make a difference. So here's how, here's how I'll, I'll close with these two questions. Let's reflect on this. What is your gift? And, and maybe better it would be to say, what is your opportunity? Um, what are the gifts and the talents that you and I have been given? And then number two, how are we going to invest them? How are we going to use these things that God has given to make a difference like the first two servants in this parable? I read the story this week of, of Nick Wojcik. Um, Nick, you may have seen or heard his story before. He was born with no arms and no legs. It was, uh, con it's a condition called uh, phocomelia. And what happened, of course, was as, as he overcame his obstacles he had this story to tell and he realized in the midst of that that God had had called him and given him a platform and so here is this young man with these physical limitations and yet God was moving in his life and he realized that the very limitations that he had gave him the opportunity to share what God has done in his life and so he's traveled all over the world and he's spoken to hundreds of thousands of people and made an impact in their lives by, by telling people, you know what, God created you and gifted you. And it doesn't matter what you look like or what, what ailments or inabilities or limitations you have. God has a plan, a divine purpose for your life. He's inspired so many people. People have, have been prayed for and ministered to because of his testimony. People have come to Christ and they've placed their faith in Jesus because of of his work and I love how he shares this point he says God the Father is calling followers of Jesus to be the hands and feet 
of Jesus. I know that might sound weird coming from a man with no hands and no feet. But if God can use me to be his hands and feet to help others, then he can use any willing soul. So here's the, here's the challenge. What is your gift and how will you invest it? Let's notice too that in verse 16 of the parable, the first man with five talents, the verse said that he went at once. The minute he was given a talent, he went and he put it to work. Do not delay, friend. Let's identify our gifts. Let's be thankful to God for them. And let's put them to work for other people to make a difference in this world. Let me close with a word of prayer. And then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for this opportunity to study the teachings of Jesus and to be challenged. We are so grateful that you have given us your son and that through him we can have a relationship with you. And we're thankful that even beyond that, you have given us these gifts and these talents uh, to make a difference in the world. I pray you would help us to use them, to steward them well for your honor and for your glory. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Jesus came to earth. We said that at the beginning. And God, his greatest investment in you and me, it was giving his son as a sacrifice. And if you have yet to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to talk to you about that. We have people available on our chat uh, online. Uh, we'll have people down front uh, who are willing to talk to you about, about that decision. And uh, for those of us who have received salvation from God, God promises us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. So may we, church, may we be the kinds of people who learn what our gift is and use it to make a difference for others. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. Bye.